0: Welcome back to the St. Colman's Podcast, coming to you from the state of our homes. It's me, Seamus Branagh, here with Quentin Joyce and Dave Barry. On the third episode of the podcast, we'll be sharing our exclusive interview with Irish footballing legend, Niall Quinn.
1: The lads were lucky enough to interview him before Christmas, and he shared some insight into how he became a professional footballer. His highs, lows and his career in Arsenal, Man City and Sunderland.
2: After listening to Niall, stick around to hear us chat about our take on Irish football and doesn't match up with what Niall has to say. Let's take a listen. Um, you played in an
0: ireland minor final, and you were offered a contract to play at Aussie rules. What made you choose a career in soccer?
3: Well, I was brought up in Dublin, in Crumlin, where soccer was quite big, and colour TV had just come in. I'm, I'm not that old that it was black and white telly. It was colour TV, and you'd get the World Cup in them days. You'd get the FA Cup final. It'd be the only live match you'd see. But match of the day was on every Saturday night, and the big match on a Sunday, and they were on uh, English channels that we could get in Dublin, BBC and ITV, and the, the the whole sort of allure of football it was a magical thing, and even though I preferred hurling in many ways, hurling was my favourite sport. There was there was always a, a sort of little thing going on in the back of your head. Wouldn't it be great to be a footballer? And I worked hard at all the sports. You know, I, as you as you said, I went off to Australia before I went to Arsenal. I had six weeks there touring with a, a college's team and I got selected to go back. I was offered contracts, but um, but that was a long way away then. There was no mobile phones. And uh, it was it was difficult to, to think at that age that I would go so far away from home, so young. And in the end, my mother wanted me to go nowhere. She wanted me to stay and do my leaving and do all my schooling, which she was probably kind of half right looking back. But um, the easiest option then appeared to be London as long as she let me go, as long as I stayed with my auntie and uncle. And I went to college to do English and history. So I, I did a deal with my mother, who's a teacher. She's still alive. And uh, she um, she only let me go there to Arsenal on the basis that I that I signed up for college. But um, three months in, a couple of things happened. My, um, my, I was finding it really hard. Training every day completely flummoxed me. I was so skinny and tall. And weak, you know that that I wasn't as strong as the other guys, and and to be training six days a week was really really hard. Playing matches, training twice a day, so I started to drop off in college, and also the history was more English history, and they were kind of seeing people like Cromwell as heroes and stuff, and I wasn't agreeing with the history teacher and everything, so uh, I um I, I you know I, I ended up giving up the college very quickly. I didn't tell my mother for about a year, but anyway, um, that's uh, that's kind of I suppose how I mean it was. I'd love to say I was sitting down and had an agent and we went through all the the the, uh, options, but that didn't happen in those days There was no such thing as an agent. You you got this once in a a lifetime chance. They gave you very little money, but they gave you a a window of opportunity and I had to take it. So there was also Arsenal players from Ireland that I had looked at and and grown up and admired for many years. Liam Brady is one of the greatest players we ever produced. Dave O'Leary. Uh, again, fabulous players, scored a, the, the winning penalty against Romania in 1990. Uh, Frank Stapleton, who was one of the best servants Irish football ever had. And there were others. John Devine was at Arsenal um, just before that time. And there was a lot of players from Northern Ireland. So there was Sammy Nelson, Pat Jennings, Pat Rice. So the team was very Irish. And uh, I was going to stay at my auntie and uncle. So it, it, it was the best thing to do.
0: And second question. What
3: would you say is the highlight of your career? Uh, the highlight of my career uh, selfishly i think scoring myself a goal against england at wembley in in a in a competitive fixture a european championship fixture in 1991 and um, that that to me was just you know the the pinnacle uh, and as much that you know england are the old enemy number one but but secondly i'd grown up the only live matches i ever saw growing up were at wembley were the fa cup fa fa cup final which was shown live every year or any england internationals and Wembley had some sort of allure to it uh, back in those days. Um, it's rebuilt now and it's a different stadium. But to 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 kind of go and score there, after I'd been a couple of years earlier, there was a friendly two years earlier. And I was a kid at Arsenal. I was in the youth team, barely breaking into the youth team when Ireland played England at Wembley. And I went to Wembley to the match on my own. And I watched England, I think they beat us 2-1 or 2-0 or 2-1. I, I should remember the score. But what I do remember was... God, wouldn't it be great one day if I got out in that turf and got to play against England and, and score a goal? And, and that's what happened in 91. So, so that, that was a big one. I scored a big goal against Holland in the World Cup in 1990. That that made me, because for for about 10 years afterwards, I was virtually picked for every game, whereas I'd never been picked for a competitive game before that. I was always coming on a sub. So, so that was a huge moment for me. And, um, and then overall then, you know, when, when I look at, what ireland achieved and you know we, we got to number five or number six in the world rankings at one stage which is um it's hard to hard to fathom now but we had a pretty we had a pretty strong team we had a great adventure and it was like a family we, we were just so bonded it's like a brotherhood it was, it was just incredible i can't really explain it to you the, the ties that we had and jack charton was responsible for that so playing for jack was it was some achievement you know when i look back i was so lucky to have done that and then you know domestically i played with three great clubs with with arsenal which you know, I've often said, you know, they, they sort of taught me about football. They turned me, you know, in, into uh, somebody who who could, you know, get, get a chance in the game. And then at Man City, you know, they they I, I kicked on then and, and became a proper sort of Premier League footballer. Got plenty of goals. And then I went up to Sunderland, and Sunderland was just a, a different experience altogether. The, the the community of Sunderland, they live for their football. I don't know if any of you've seen the Netflix series um, Sunderland till I die uh that kind of does it justice in some respects but literally you have a city of an an outskirts of about three to four hundred thousand people and they just live for football so i was in a real hotbed there and it was very successful so so that's kind of a snapshot of 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 my career that's my achievement and supposed to get 20 years out of it i took cruciate so i both knees um replaced in that time but i think i managed to play 650 games at the top level so so that was uh, that was probably, uh, you know, to get to get to that from the the little kid who was playing minor hurling, you know, a few years, a few years earlier, that I suppose that was that was it. And, and listen, even to this day, I miss it. I miss the dressing room. I miss I miss what we had in the Irish setup. I miss what we had at certain times domestically because I had highs and lows, I had relegations and I had, you know, we won the championship, for instance. And uh, I won. I was part of the Liverpool, of the uh, Arsenal squad that beat Liverpool and Anfield. In 1989 a month after the hillsborough disaster it was an incredible time but arsenal won the title which which was the division one title as it was called then but for all intents and purposes it was the premier league and i didn't play that night but i played uh three of the matches in that year we won the three matches and and you know you might remember man city going really close to blowing it and, and beating qpr a few years ago when aguero scored the goal to win the league title Um, everybody thought that was the closest but in our time that that game against Liverpool was closer still because uh, we ended up on the same goal difference as Liverpool after the league ended but we won it because we had scored one more than them in the whole year so it was just so close it was it was crazy and it was an injury time winner by Michael Thomas to win the league so so they, they were incredible times and um you know, there was, there was other times when we got relegated. I got relegated at Man City and I got relegated at Sunderland. So to fight back from that and and get a career, you know, going again was, was was tough. But kind of that was an achievement too. But it wasn't all plain sailing, but I got 20 years out of it.
2: Thanks, Niall. What a great career with some fantastic highlights. He managed to rack up 21 goals in his international career, breaking the national record at the time. Looking at today's Irish team, he definitely would be a great asset to a team lacking goals. This isn't a solution. But who do you think, Quentin, could be the person to break this goal drive?
1: Yeah, I think Aaron Connolly is definitely in with a shout. The 20-year-old is definitely confident in his own ability, really shining at Brighton last season and at times this season. Um, Unfortunately, he is out with an injury and he picked up against Wolves after scoring a goal. But he really is one of the front runners in the race for that goal for Ireland. He's fast, he's strong. He's not afraid to take on the defender. He's just lacking that cutting edge in front of, Gola, Ireland are missing throughout the ranks. I really do believe he will have that impact if he gets in form for Brighton and plays regularly. If all those factors do fall into place, I do think he will become the man to finish off the new style of play Kenny has introduced. But I do think we'll have to sacrifice a year to get this right. As we know, international coaches don't get much time with the team, so I think that should be loads of time to get the goal-scoring drought out of the way. Um, Seamus, what do you think?
0: Look, I don't think right now there is a striker in Ireland that is international quality. Like you mentioned, Aaron Connolly, five goals in thirty-five Premier League games for Brighton, zero goals in five games for Ireland. That's not good enough. That's not international quality. Like you look at some of the other options, Adamida, nineteen games for Norwich, one goal. That's not international quality. We just don't have the quality right now. I think this isn't a problem with Stephen Kenny or the current team. This is a problem right right the way down the youth system. There isn't the players coming through. Yes, you have these fellas who look some way promising, but they're just not producing the final product. And I can't see how there's an end to this problem. It doesn't look like there's an end in sight for me anyway. Dave, do you have anyone in mind?
2: I personally think Jack Byrne could be the man to get us, not even score goals, but he's just so creative that he just put a ball into the box. And Adam Ida, who's a big man, he just get his head on it and get a goal. Or Shane Duffy even from a free kick or a corner to get his head on it. Uh, Jack Byrne is, I think he's already answer to Lionel Messi. He's just so good on the ball and obviously he's gone to Apoel now who he, Mick McCarthy signed him. I'd say it was two or three days later Mick McCarthy got sacked. So it's going to be tough now for Jack to settle in at Apoel in Cyprus where he doesn't know anyone there and he, don't, he can't speak the language. So I think he will. He if uh, Stephen Kenny plays him, he is going to be our best player, and it could be a bit of uh, uh, the same thing that happened with him back a few years ago, Martin. O'Neill, where Martin O'Neill said well, Hulken could only play well at home. I think it's the same happening with Jack Byrne that oh, he's just not good enough. But even though he's our best player in the ball, uh, yeah, I think he is. He will get us assists and goals anyway.
0: For me, Jack Jack Byrne seriously, like, he's 24 at this stage. He was doing great at Shamrock. Shamrock Rovers got 17 goals in 49 games. That's a decent record. But he's gone to Cyprus now. He's 24. The manager of the there has been sacked. For me, like if he doesn't kick on soon, his career could be over before he knows it. Like he's not making yeah, exactly. the impact that like, we need to see. He
1: had he had the Champions League kind of qualification process coming with Shamrock Rovers. Yeah. Um, I think the Cyprus team. I think they came. Third in the Cyprus League, I think it's definitely a step in the wrong direction for him. Um, I don't think. I think he like Mick McCarthy gave him his debut for the Ireland team, but I don't think it was too much of big of a gamble. Like you're going to get spotted more in your own country, playing yeah. against players that maybe are in lower quality, but you're able to show off what you really have. Um, I think going off to Cyprus like. There's not much kind of coverage over there for the Irish kind of to watch on and say how good he is. He won't influence his performances to get onto the Ireland team, but I do hope he will do well.
0: The division that he's gone over to in Cyprus, this, the first division in Cyprus, is ranked at the same level as the English fourth tier. So he's gone yeah. from Champions League qualifying rounds playing great doing some great stuff for Shamrock Rovers no, to no, playing no, no. in practically League 2 but with not half the TV coverage or half the scouts
1: yeah, like, but if for you, me if you look it's a it, a lot of the League of Ireland mistake. teams um, players they will go to League 2 teams they will go to League 1 teams like you rarely see League of Ireland players going to big Premier League teams unless they're 16, 17 and they want to invest in their youth system but like, but at, at least in know. England might, you have the might, media coverage yeah, and you have the yeah. scouts. That is, that is one thing, yeah. And you don't have that. Like, he he's not the most
0: Kenny. remote place he can.
1: Yeah, I know.
0: Um, but it's, he's not going into He's 24. Defined. He should be coming into his prime. Yeah.
1: yeah
0: he yeah, should be coming okay. into his prime now. But well,
1: Seamus, what do you think of the new style Kenny has introduced? Do you think it will work if we do get a goal score?
0: Well, to be honest, like, it doesn't actually matter unless you do get that goal score because... They can have all the possession they want but if you're not scoring goals you're not going to be winning games like there's no point in having all this possession all these lovely passes having your centre backs taking kickoffs inside their own six yard box like there's that's pointless if you can't finish it off with goals like they're not you're not going to get world cup qualification you're not going to get european championship qualification by having possession you need goal scorers and you need people who create the opportunities yeah, which at the least they just don't have. at
1: least they have that set up there for if they do get a goal score. If someone like Eda does that score and goals, someone like Conley does that go, score and goals. At least they have that set up. They control games. They make the chances. Like I was looking at a few stats, and they're averaging eleven shots per game. But the thing that's bringing that down is they're only averaging nearly three shots on target. Yeah, like that's eight shots in a game that are just going completely bad like on like I was looking at another thing on the 12th October in 2019 Ireland like drew against Georgia remember they're 89th in the world and we had yeah. 44% possession like this is a team we should be dominating like how are we meant to beat small teams if we're playing like small teams like you don't have yeah, to be like a big should. team you like a big team like in if, the fast, if you fast forward months. 13 months we had 52% possession against arguably a very strong Welsh team. Like, we did lose, but we showed that we can dominate
0: teams... See, that, that are doesn't matter. Them. They lost. Like, I don't... Like, it doesn't matter how much possession they had. If you lose a game, nobody cares how much possession. The, the only thing, the only stat that matters at the end of a game is how many goals you scored.
1: Yeah, but it shows we're going in the right direction. That we're not just booting... Like, what would you prefer? Like, booting the ball up to a small little strike that we don't have. At least we have something to kind of look at and we're like, yeah, we're proud of that we're able to dominate games. Like, if we, if we said we like McCarthy, would see me the ball up, up to, like, Almeida. He, like, yeah, he could potentially come into that target man role, but I don't see that happening now, like.
0: If they played route one and scored goals, I don't, I can't see one Irish fan complaining.
2: Yeah. yeah. So sure, it happened in 1919. You should, like, we didn't have not one good, like, say, Wes Hull and Jack Byrne, playing the ball. All we did was just... People who wanted to tackle and kick the ball
1: on. Yeah, but that worked.
2: So, it worked. You had, so you like, had physical not, players
1: that bossed around and you get a lucky break and that's what you need, a lucky break. But we don't even have players to score those lucky breaks. Like yeah. At the moment, like even since Robbie Keane, we're still trying to replace Robbie Keane. Yeah. Like, there's, there's players coming through yeah. like... Maguire was showing a lot of potential, um, but he hasn't really kicked on from what people wanted. Like he's done all right in Preston, but he needs McGuire in his
0: last in Maguire's last 88 championship games in the championship now, not even a top league. He scored 11 goals. Like that's just not international quality.
1: No, yeah, but he's also not getting playtime. He was he was out for a while with an injury. Like you're not the same when you come back from an injury
0: in his last three seasons he's played 88 games for preston yeah. 88 games is plenty of time yeah
2: like even
1: like
2: even a little bobbling goal like a cap in like he couldn't even get a few then like mm. like that's like one and eight. yeah yeah a that's, every, eight, that's, eight, not, eight.
1: that's definitely not good enough for like an irish team yeah. trying yeah. to get into the world cup like even if we get into the world cup we're going to get absolutely demolished like if we don't have a goal scorer like you're coming yeah. against teams with Portugal, Spain. Like Spain are after coming England, on again, France. Germany, France, Brazil. Like they all have people who can score the goal and also boss the game. Like yeah, but
0: the problem we, is, like, like I don't think the problem is any of these goal scorers that we've mentioned that aren't scoring goals. The problem isn't any of them because how come in the past? I have been able to produce the likes of Robbie Keane, Niall Quinn, Frank Stapleton, John Aldridge, All these brilliant players, all these brilliant goal scorers, and yet they can't produce one now. Like, there's obviously yeah. something gone missing, gone wrong in the youth setup.
2: Yeah, John. I think John Delaney took too much money for his the salary. They didn't. Yeah. They should have invested more in the youth setup. That like to right, I, better, better facilities Claire,
1: or something. One player we haven't mentioned was Troy Parrott. Yeah, like he's still young, and like he was really showing at the under twenty one level that he can do the same with Adam Ida. Like it was genius plan by FAI that they put um, Stephen Kenny in the under twenty one road first because like if he's there for the next ten years, all those players will be coming through the under twenty one, and he'll yeah. know all those players and he'll know what they like. He had them for two years, like. So he knows the potential Connolly has, uh, Ida has, Parrott has, even um, likes of Conor Ronan, um, Coventry. They're, like, they're good players that are coming through. They have a load of potential to kick on, but it won't be another five years till they all reach their primes. So we, we need to find a solution till then. Yeah.
0: Oh, I don't there's think there's it. a short term solution of the options there. There isn't a short term solution. Yeah, there. I'm I'm no sure the
1: only the only options we have is young players. Like, and that's not a short term, that's a long term. Like we don't like we have Shane Long while well, he's thirty in his late thirties. He's thirty. Uh, and yeah. Yeah, Sh- Shane
0: Long, he hasn't scored for his last fourteen games for Ireland, three in his last twenty six. Like at this stage, he's not a legend, he's a cult hero. He scored yeah. a few important goals, but at this stage, he, he's passed it. Like,
2: yeah, yeah. But, like, saying with Troy Parrott, he still hasn't scored a goal for Millwall. He's played 11 games for Millwall, no goal. And he's made two appearances for Tottenham in the cup, and he scored no goals. Like, he still hasn't got his first professional goal yet. Yeah,
1: that's
0: that. He, he hasn't scored a senior goal for Ireland or for. Any club he's and, played and for,
1: Lord, but, he, but do you remember he is still young? Like it's not like he's in his twenties, yeah. and he's uh, he should be scoring for Tottenham and stuff like that. Like he's only had two games in the league. He's not ne- like he was for the, the youth team for Tottenham. He was on fire. Like, he was nearly scoring every game for a while. Like he was. He deserves his call up to the Tottenham team. But he just there's a big yeah. step, big step for a young player going from the youth side to the the senior <laughs> side, because you have yeah. the likes of Harry Kane in Tottenham, that is really intimidating. That it's hard, yeah, it's, it's hard. Like any, he, he I thought he would do well for Millwall, but he he had that injury going in at the start, and I, I don't think he's really kind of been comfortable in the club. Um, I think if he gets back to the Spurs and he kind of drops back into the youth system, that he could. Um, kind of get his form back in and kick on to be that player everyone wants him to be. Kickstart his career. Shams, Yvonne and Ted.
0: Let's wrap it up there.
2: Right, so that was our views on the current Irish international soccer situation. Now let's hear the views of Niall Quinn. look. hopefully he knows a bit more than us.
3: Well, obviously it's difficult at the moment and, uh, you know, the the games up to now for Stephen Kenny have... um, have just have been disappointing in terms of, of trying to get a result, a goal, get the whole thing off the ground, get his, his tenor off the ground. So that's been that's been tough. Um, there's a wider process there, you know, where, where he's trying to bring Irish football and how it's played at that level to a to a different point. He's asking older players to come back and play like they haven't played before, and he's asking new players who haven't done it yeah. a lot in, in in big leagues or in international uh, arenas to come together and, and find a way of, of changing the way that, that Ireland as a team approach matches and to make it more in line, I suppose, with the uh, with the modern way that a lot of the clubs, as you know, around Europe, et cetera, are doing. You know, I never thought I'd see the day, you know, at the Aviva, when our goalkeeper would have his two centre halves behind him for kickouts from the six-yard line and knocking it to one and over to the other. It's quite incredible. It's going to take some time. Um for the younger lads they don't know a lot different so it actually will be easier for them in time but it's more difficult for the older lads it's difficult for randolph the goalkeeper because you know he, he he's he's kind of getting used to this idea because at club level he, he mightn't have done it as much uh he's kind of in a halfway house but then you'd have other players you know in their 30s you know like James coleman and mclean you know they're being asked to do things shane duffy an easy late 20s but um so there's a new question being asked and It'll, it'll only, it'll only get better. You know, the first, the first result, the first good result that comes along if there, you know, hopefully there is one will make everybody believe in the process a bit more and it will gel. Um, you, you hope that he he gets one. You would hope that he would have got one or one or two out of the series of games he's had so far, but World Cup is going to be a really tough task now. You know, as you know, the, the draw, we're in a tougher position because of our seating with the draw. Um, I think, uh, I think there's there's a, a he's got to stick with it. He's got to now say, Well, this is it. I'm not gender changing or bending, I'm not going back to make a a, a mixture of, of the old and the new. I'm sticking at it. And you hope then that he gets the uh the time, whoever's in charge of the FAI at the time, you know, when, when the, if the papers are putting pressure on that he gets more time. But that all managers are the same. It's the same at every club. But but where do I think it can go? I think it's not going to go where we want it to go without a goal scorer appearing. You can do your tactics. Pep can come in and train the team for three months. You can do everything. But if you ain't got a goal scorer, if you ain't got somebody who suddenly comes alive when the ball or a chance comes, you know, then 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 we'll have a problem. And uh, and I'm hoping that maybe Connolly can, can be that goal scorer, that he'll get off and running. There's a few there that I think if, if they hit the net the first couple of times, then they'll get there. I thought McGoldrick might have got there and I was, I was disappointed, and you know, um, that, that, he, that he had to quit. Um Shame for us um, because I thought he might have come good and got a few goals but that that's the real area. You know, I think he can do all the work, he'll get his defence right, he'll play good football but uh, we need a goal scorer.
0: Well, that's all we have for today's episode which was focused on Irish football and the legendary career of Niall Quinn. A huge thank you again to Niall for taking the time to talk to us and share his extraordinary life. We'll be sharing other clips of that interview in future episodes. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Coleman's Podcast Tune in again for exclusive interviews with Irish rugby legend and past pupil, Mike Ross, and expert immunologist, Professor Luke O'Neill. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everyone. We'll put them under pressure. The game is about being effective, being aggressive, winning the ball, getting on with the play. We'll put them under pressure.